This podcast sponsored by Cherry Hill Volvo. A Cherry Hill Volvo and XC40 can be leased for as low as $459. And an XC90 leased for as low as $629. The Cherry Hill Volvo offers are very aggressive. Spring into Cherry Hill Volvo for incredibly fabulous offers. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes! Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli all right, where do we begin? Do we begin with uh, World War III? Do we begin with the fact that Rhino Tom Emmer is now the uh, House Republican Speaker designate? Uh, do we begin with the shocking revelations coming out of Gloucester School Board? I don't know. Uh, we could also talk about the Phillies, but that's probably the most depressing thing we can all talk about today. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. And obviously, we're going to be very optimistic about tonight's game. And we'll check in with our buddies down at the ballpark uh, shortly. But uh, I wanted to share this with you. Uh, Tom Emmer, who was the guy who was behind the push to end the Electoral College and have the national popular vote. I spent a lot of time on this yesterday. I don't know if you were able to listen, though, because the game was on at five and you may have been listening to the game. Which my advice to you always in these situations is turn down the audio on your television and turn up the radio so you don't miss a thing. But Tom Emmer is now the choice of Republicans to become the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Tom Emmer is a total rhino. Tom Emmer is the most pro-Ukraine funding Republican of the bunch, which is probably why it's no surprise that Tom Emmer is now the Speaker nominee for the Republicans. Not designate, he hasn't won, but he's the, he's the one who won the nomination in the caucus. So, uh, And this could, this could end, and hopefully it will end. Hopefully it, he will not be here soon. We've seen this before, so let's hope that that's the way it goes. But I'm just going to share with you what former President Donald Trump put out a short time ago regarding Tom Emmer. He said, I have many wonderful friends wanting to be Speaker of the House, and some are truly great warriors. Rhino Tom Emmer, who I do not know well, is not one of them. He never respected the power of a Trump endorsement or the breadth and scope of MAGA. Make America great again. He fought me all the way and actually spent more time defending Ilan Omar than he did me. He is totally out of touch with Republican voters. I believe he has now learned his lesson because he is saying that he is pro-Trump all the way. But who can ever be sure? Has he only changed because that's what it takes to win? The Republican Party cannot take that chance because that's not where the America First voters are. Voting for a globalist rhino like Tom Emmer would be a tragic mistake. And he is 100% right on that point. Absolutely correct on that point. And I think it's also important to note that uh, Tom Emmer years ago, like I mentioned you yesterday, and I spent a lot of time on this in the show, he was the guy who was out there endorsing the move to a national popular vote, which would, of course, be the destruction of the Electoral College. And if that were to happen, you can almost guarantee that Democrats would be 
uh, would be would be president of the United States forever and ever and ever. And you know what, Matt? Let's grab some of that audio we had yesterday that I sent you from Tom Ember. We'll, we'll re-familiarize you with that as the show goes on today. Um, but, you know, I'm hoping that this is going to go nowhere. But as of right now, he's he's the guy uh, that the Republicans are going with. Why? Because I told you why. I mean, it's not hard to see. He wins a speaker nomination because Tom Ember will... Absolutely go along with all the massive sp- spending bills. He'll go along with the CRs. He'll go along with the with the nonsense. He's pro funding Ukraine all the way to the max. And 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 worse is that he's he's pro funding Ukraine tied to all of these other bills uh, tied to all the other things, Israel and aid to Gaza and continuing resolutions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, he's really trying to sound like a big conservative now on Twitter. He's out there yesterday, posted a video and I played you the video of the show uh, making people believe that he was endorsed by Trump. He was not endorsed by Trump. And he put out this video yesterday. Thank you, Mr. President. If my colleagues elect me Speaker of the House, I look forward to continuing our strong working relationship. Trump didn't endorse Emmer. It was he was up in New Hampshire filing his paperwork. And he said, you know, uh, he's a nice guy or whatever, but I got a lot of nice guys. And Emmer put that on there, I think, deceptively letting people believe that he would be the guy. We have that one from yesterday. This is what Trump said. And and in no way, shape or form is this an endorsement of Tom Emmer. But you can understand why people would would look at it just and not take the time to listen to it and think, oh, well, he's obviously backing Tom Emmer. Take a listen. To endorse uh, Tom Emmer for speaker, he hasn't historically been the biggest fan, but he is the most likely candidate right now. Well, I think he's my biggest fan now because he told me yesterday and he told me I'm your biggest fan. So I don't know about that. Uh, well, we're looking at a lot of people and, you know, I'm sort of trying to stay out of that as much as possible. Uh, but they'll get it straightened out. But no, I've always gotten along with him and uh, I get along with all of them. Really. A lot of good people. We have a lot of great people. Mr. That's all. That's all he said. And Tom Emmer puts that up there on on social media, puts it on Twitter yesterday and says, thank you, Mr. President. If I'm elected speaker, I'll make America great again. Blah, 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 blah. Now, Trump, what he should do is put out a video trashing Tom Emmer uh, so that it's very clear where he stands because he put out his truth social. Like I mentioned, his comment on there. I don't believe he's posted an actual video yet to truth social. I think it'd be helpful for him if he did. I think it would be it would be um, a good idea if he does that, actually. Um, And. Just to remind you of, of who Tom Emmer is, and, and, and this is the key. There are two major problems. Well, there's so many major problems here. But number one, today at the White House press briefing, Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House fembot, she wouldn't answer the question. But the question from the reporter was basically, it was something to the effect of, well, is the White House happy about this since he is the most pro-Ukraine funding of all the people running for speaker? So is the White House, would the White House be happy with Tom Emmer? And she said the whole thing, well, I don't want to get into it. It's their process and blah, 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 blah. But the other problem with Tom Emmer is that he, for years ago, years ago, he was a paid spokesperson for this national popular vote organization. It's a George Soros funded, among other Democrat funders. And the whole idea was to give states the ability to turn around and say, we're going to reject the Electoral College winner of our state and go with whoever won the national popular vote. So then theoretically, if Pennsylvania voted for Trump in 2024, but Biden won the popular vote or whoever the Democrat nominee is, since I don't think it's going to be Biden, but let's say it's Newsom and Newsom wins a popular vote, then under Emmer's philosophy, then Pennsylvania could give its electoral votes to Newsom. Why you would do that? I have no idea. It's a disaster waiting to happen for so many reasons. 
Now, I'm not going to ask him specifically, but Hans von Spakarsky will be on later about the Heritage Foundation. We're going to talk about some other things, but I w- without mentioning Emmer's name, I am just going to ask him his thoughts on the founders and the Electoral College, because Emmer's lying and telling people that the founders would have been happy with a, a move to a national popular vote. And again, the guy is a slimy, is slimeball. So you got to really parse his words here. I, he's correct in saying that the founders wanted the states to decide how they allocated their electoral votes. He's correct on that point insofar as that they, you could do it by winner takes all. So Pennsylvania could give all of its electoral votes to whoever wins the state or you could do it by congressional district. That's up to the state. And some states do it winner take all for the state. Some states do it based on congressional district. Some states do it. It's up to the state. But and there's re, there's pro and cons for doing it both ways. Obviously, you know, if you if you if you didn't do winner take all in a blue state like New Jersey, for example, <clears throat> you might make New Jersey competitive and you might have a couple of electoral votes go the way of for a Republican candidate because there are Republican areas in blue New Jersey. Obviously, if it's winner take all for New Jersey, well, then it's always going to go blue. So Republicans aren't even going to bother campaigning there in the general election. They shouldn't waste their time. But that's not the same thing as saying that whoever wins the national popular vote, we're going to give them our electoral college votes, regardless of if they won the electoral college votes in our state or not, regardless of if they won the electoral college votes by winner take all or by proportion. We're going to give it to whoever won the national popular vote. You know, as well as I do, that means that population centers, which tend to be more liberal, are going to call the shots on who becomes president. And the only way Republicans will be able to compete with that is to waste their time campaigning in Democrat areas where there's lots of people. They'll, they'll ignore the priorities of, of red states and they'll have to take them for granted. And then also the other problem with this is that you would only have rhinos as your Republican nominee. And the Republican establishment would be happy with that. Understand that. They'd be fine with that because then they could turn around and say, well, we can't have a MAGA conservative running because that person will never be able to compete in a national popular vote. So we have to get a, 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 a so-called moderate. We got to get a, a rhino, a pro-war, pro-globalist, probably pro-abortion Republican as the only way to compete. And the Republican establishment would, like I said, they would be fine with that. They're not, they're not upset with that. That's why Tom Emmer is their speaker nominee right now. The establishment loves spending money on war. The establishment loves when Republicans sound like Democrats. They do. They always do. That's why Jim Jordan is not speaker right now. That's why Byron Donalds bailed out of the race for speaker because he's not going to be speaker. It's why it's going to wind up being some, 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 a, 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 another Kevin McCarthy, another John Boehner, another Paul Ryan. It's going to be the same thing over and over again. Here's the mashup that was put together by Triad Strategies. They sat down with Emmer 12 years ago or so, and they, they talked to him in depth about the whole Electoral College thing and the national popular vote. I don't know how a single Republican could vote for this guy in good conscience. I really don't. And call yourself a Republican. Certainly, if a conservative does, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. There's no way you can justify this. I don't care if he's changed his mind on this. He was out there getting paid to say this. So if he's not getting paid to say it anymore... And that's why he's changed his mind. It's like how he flip-flops on Trump. Then the guy is just a flip-flopper and he has no spine and no backbone and you cannot trust him. And there's no way he should be able to lead the Republicans and, and lead the House of Representatives. Zero. Zero. The establishment, the uniparty wants Tom Ember. 
Tom Emmer is their guy. Here's the mashup. Take a listen. And the first misconception about national popular vote is that that's that this proposal is somehow going against uh, what the founding fathers intended uh, or uh, against the very language of the Constitution. And it, it is a misconception. What national popular vote provides is that each state is allowed to determine how to award its electors. This proposal would allow the state of Pennsylvania and my state of Minnesota to say, we are going to award our electors to the candidate for president that gets the highest number of popular votes across the country. Article stop two, it right there. One. Let's just stop it, it right there. See, again, th- this is a lie. Yes, the founders said the state can determine how it will uh, apportion its electoral votes. Correct. That's right. Which is why I mentioned to you some states do it by winner take all. Whoever gets the most votes in Pennsylvania gets all the electoral votes. Some states do it by proportion. You win four congressional districts, you, you get the you, you get certain number of electoral votes. But it's it's an absolute lie to come out and say that the founders would have said, let's give it to whoever won the national popular vote. What the hell is the point of the Electoral College? Why would you have an Electoral College then at that point? There's no there's no need for it. You wouldn't need it, obviously. So, I mean, unless Tom Emmer thinks we, we are the dumbest people on earth, the founders would not sit there and go, well, let's have it. Let's have an Electoral College to make sure that states that don't have as many people as other states still get a seat at the table and their priorities are still relevant to whoever runs for president. And then it's not just going to be done by by whoever, whatever states have the most people. And so that their priorities win out all the time. But it doesn't matter because the state should just give it all to the whoever wins the national popular vote anyway. What Tom Emmer is describing is not a, is not an electoral college. He's, he's talking about the destruction of the electoral college. Let's be very clear. What he just said is the end of the electoral college. It is the national popular vote. Electoral college serves no function anymore at that point. Why would it? Why would it? I mean, there's no there's no reason to have it. All right. Sorry. Let's keep going, Matt. Article two, section one. It is constitutional. We're not changing the Constitution. If you respect states rights, if you truly do believe in them, then you respect the state's rights to determine however they want to award their electors. I've had the argument made to me, Tom, as a conservative, why would you ever want to support something like national popular vote? All they'd have to do is focus their campaigns on the large urban centers. Last time I checked, the top 50 cities in this country, most populated, dense urban areas, make up less than 20 percent of the popular vote. He, he, he He is so off on this. He's so off on this. Let's think about it right now. California has 54 electoral votes. Right. You need 270 to win. California has 54 and Utah has six. Montana has four. Why? Why would you spend any time campaigning in either one of those two states if you're a Republican? Because even though you're just going to have to take it for granted and hope that they vote for you. That's it. You got it. You got to take it for granted. So you're going to you're going to literally take these states for granted and go, well, they're red states. They're probably going to go with us. But Nevada, six votes, six electoral votes. Nevada, swing state. So I don't know. I, maybe we spend a lot of time there. But then again, if we can if we can just somehow uh, add totals by going to other states and ignoring small states that mean no, that mean nothing in the scheme of things, then don't worry about it. And you know what that guarantees you? That guarantees you that those states will also go blue. And here's exactly what I mean by that. Take Virginia. Great example. Virginia has 13 electoral votes. Now, Virginia in the north 
is very liberal. It's very blue. All the swamp rats live there. All the swamp creatures have their have their homes there. The lobbyists, the, the war machine, all the Democrats, the, the federal union workers, the union workers who work for the federal government, they all live in northern Virginia. Now, southern Virginia is a much different story. Southern Virginia is very conservative. Southern Virginia is it's, it's red. It's it's the reason why Glenn Youngkin won and he's governor. But if you know that there's only 13 votes at stake and the odds of you winning Virginia are it's a fight. It's a fight because, you know, even though they have a Republican governor is a good chance based on the number of people they have in the state. You're going to lose it if you're a Republican. So then what that means then is you as a Republican are not going to bother going there. And the Democrats will make sure when they control things that Virginia gets whatever Virginia wants to keep it blue. You will flip states that are on the fence. You'll flip Pennsylvania. You'll make it solidly blue. Because, again, Pennsylvania does not have that many electoral votes in the big scheme of things. It has 19 votes. That's it. Michigan has 15 votes. So Ohio, take Ohio, for example. Ohio is another great example. Ohio is a state that you used to be must win, but 17 votes. Now, the way that you would you would overcome California's 54 electoral votes and New York's massive number of electoral votes as well with uh, 28 votes is you would try to win Texas with 40 votes and you try to win and you add it all up. But there's still a big gaping hole there. So you compete in Pennsylvania. You compete in places like Virginia and South Carolina. You compete in these places and you try to win. You compete in Ohio. You compete in the Rust Belt states of Michigan and Minnesota and Wisconsin, even though Wisconsin has been voting reliably blue. And you try to articulate positions that will get those voters on your side. But why would you try to do that if the national popular vote is going to win? Because then all all that's going to happen is every Republican who runs is going to try very, very hard to just get votes, not electoral votes. And it changes your whole strategy. You just want to try to get the most number of votes at that point. So now you just have to go and appeal to people based on what the majority wants. And then how can a conservative articulate positions that the majority always wants in a republic? They're not supposed to. I mean, literally, the reason why we are set up as a republic and not a democracy is because of factions. Alexander Hamilton warned about this. James Madison warned about this. They warned about the idea of faction. And they said that liberty is to faction as air is to fire. And the problem is that when you get factions, you get passions and you get people that wind up and you got to guard against that. You got to guard against passion. You got to guard against factions. You got to guard against that. And what you need to do is you need to make sure that government is a slow process that is not just governed by a mob, an emotional mob. But if I'm running for president as a Republican, I don't I'm not trying to win Pennsylvania's 19 votes. I'm trying to win the majority of the national popular vote. So how do I do that as a conservative? As a conservative, I can do that by if I'm winning the electoral vote by going to places like Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan and saying to these states, hey, do you want to lose all your jobs because of the Democrats war on the environment? Because if you don't, then vote for me. And I could hopefully win those states and add them to my total as I try to hit that 270. But if I'm running on the popular vote, those positions may not be popular nationally. Nationally, climate change may be popular nationally. 
So you see what I mean? What, what you're going to have is you're going to have a Republican running who's going to be pro-climate change. You're going to have a Republican running who's, who's not going to go and, and, and campaign in states that have uh, that are big on things like, you know, pro-life, for example, because maybe the majority of the polling shows that most Americans want uh, abortion uh, 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 for as long as possible. Well, then you're going to get a Republican who's going to match those opinions. And that's what the establishment is going to tell you over and over and over again. And conservatism in America will officially be dead. It'll be dead. Because the only thing that saves conservatives from being able to win the presidency is the fact that they have the electoral map and they have issues that appeal to people in certain states that the, the Democrats compete there too. But you know what? A guy who works in natural gas in Pennsylvania who might be part of a union, and even though his union might be endorsing Democrats, may still vote Republican knowing it's his job at stake. And that Republican comes to Pennsylvania now hoping to win Pennsylvania's 19 electoral votes and says, I'm going to fight to keep your job. I'm going to fight for natural gas. I'm going to fight for coal. I'm going to fight and say no to the, to the green agenda. So I'm going to make sure that Pennsylvania gets a liquid natural gas uh, export station, a, a massive export facility so we can sell it around the world. I'm going to make sure that Pennsylvania, for example, does not have an EV mandate or any state does for that matter, because I'm trying to win the votes there. And that may appeal to me. So now Pennsylvania goes red. But what will happen is if you have a national popular vote, the establishment's going to turn around and say a conservative cannot win nationally. So do you want a Democrat or a Republican? Well, even though the Republican sounds a lot like a Democrat because he's not fighting for natural gas, he's not fighting for uh, for coal and oil. He's fight. He's he sounds like a Democrat light on climate change. He sounds like a Democrat light on climate change. And he, he'll, he'll be out there and saying things like, well, you know, I mean, we have to embrace the future and hoping that that'll get him the most number of national votes. So that so that the interests of conservatives will be completely thrown out the window. If Tom Ember has his way and we go national popular vote, the every the interest of conservatism is dead. There will never be, you could not win as a conservative for that reason I just said. Because what will happen is the establishment will show you polling data. And the polling data will show you that in all these issues, the majority says, and the majority says that they want climate change policies. The majority says that they want abortion rights. The majority says this, the majority says that. And then they'll nominate a Republican who they think can best appeal to that majority. So conservative values, conservative ideas and opinions, gone. Because you got to win over the angry mob. You got to win over the emotional wacko mob. And the moods of the mob change all the time. You know this. So, I, I mean, it's some different things are popular at different times nationally. And the founders were acutely aware of that, which is why they set up a republic form of government so that we could have a slow process and so that the interests of states that have less people still matter. Like natural gas jobs matter a whole lot more in Pennsylvania than they do in California. Right. But as a Republican, I also know I got a lot of Republican votes in California if I'm running as president. So now that I know it's not going to be winner take all for the Electoral College in in California. Well, screw you guys in Pennsylvania. Sorry, the Republicans in California care more about climate change. So I'm going to go out there and sound like a Democrat on climate change. And I'm not going to be out there advocating for the jobs of the guys in Pennsylvania who are working on the natural gas and the Marcella shale. Why would I? Why would I? I'm going to I'm going to try to sound like a Democrat light to try to win the national popular vote. So the needs of red states will completely go out the window. 
And the only thing that'll separate the two will be fiscal policy. That's it. But again, you have a problem there when you're dealing with the national popular vote. And that is that as the Democrats keep adding more and more people to the welfare rolls, more and more people worry that they're going to lose their bennies. Not the benefits they've worked for. I mean, the government cheese. They worry they're going to lose the government cheese. And so they turn around and they say, well, I'm going to vote Democrat to make sure that we don't lose all the government cheese. So in other words, even on the national level, if you try to campaign as a fiscal conservative, you're probably going to be screwed. The, it'll come down to two things. Taxes and, 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 uh, and America's standing in the world. And you know what? The Democrat who's running will wind up having to sound a lot more like a Republican when he's running. So the Democrat will run, will run and say, I'm not going to raise taxes on people. And it'll be a lie. And then they'll get elected and they'll raise taxes. And the Democrat running will say, I'm, I'm going to uh, make sure America is the strongest military in the world. And the Republican will say the same thing. But the Uniparty says that now anyway and uses that whenever they possibly can to put American military money and might wherever they possibly want. Ukraine's a great example of that. So you will you will literally the Uniparty will take over. You destroy the Electoral College, the Uniparty will take over. There is a reason the founders in their wisdom said it should not be the majority. It should not be the majority. There's a reason why. And guys like Tom Emmer, because he's a part of the Uniparty, do not want anybody to stop. Do not want anybody to stop and get in the way of that and, um, and hold them back on that. By the way, Trump just spoke, so let's grab the audio of that. He just spoke outside the courthouse just a few moments ago. 855-839-1210 is the number on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. We'll see if he was asked a question about Tom Emmer as Trump is still fighting in court. 855-839-1210. So that's it. That's where things are right now. That's where things stand. Emmer would be a disaster. A disaster. And any conservative who backs this guy is dead to me. Got it? Dead. And they should be dead to you, too. There's no excuse. Absolutely none. None whatsoever. I don't care if we don't have a speaker till March 18th. I don't care. It cannot be a guy like Tom Emmer. Absolutely not. This guy's a rhino. He's a fraud. He's a uniparty. He's a globalist. He's a warmonger. No. Absolutely no. Have I made myself clear? 855-839-1210. We'll be right back. The Zioli Show. On your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. I mean, Emmer's bad, but this song is worse. This song is awful. Terrible. Come on, he's a scrub, right? Yeah, he's a scrub. Oh, please. Stop. Awful. Awful. Fired up enough, you gotta play this crappy music. Can't you give us something, put us in a good mood for the game? Start over. Start over. You don't like TLC? No, no one does. Start over. What do you mean us, no one does? Give us something to fire us up for the game tonight. Oh, my God. Give me something. Give me a little Van Halen. A little pound cake. Or a little, uh, give me a little ACDC. Give me a little something to fire us up. Because everybody is right now on edge. Give me, give, give us something to, like, get the heart going, you know? There, now we're talking. Now we're talking. See what I mean? This always gets the boys going. Better win tonight. Otherwise, everyone's going to blame you, Henry. Me? Yeah. What did I do? I, I, I didn't I send Alec Bowman out to pitch last night or anything. <laughs> By the way, just for the record, in my opinion, the guy who I said was was pitching last night would have been a better pitcher. The Alec second Bone. baseman. I think Alec Bowen would have been a better pitcher last night than, what's his face? Aaron Nola? Yeah. 
Oh, man. Now, Aaron Nola, man, he missed a couple pitches, but I thought he had good stuff. Everybody was mocking me because I said Alec Bohm was pitching, but you know what? <laughs> couple couple innings in, people were like, God, I wish, I wish Alec Bohm was pitching right now. Just saying. Just saying for the record. All right? Pitching better than he's hitting. Just saying. Uh, I know we have a guest coming up at 3.40, but uh, I have an update here. Thank you, Matt, for that. Uh, Luke Broadwater from the New York Times reporting about two dozen right-wing Republicans, as they, were, as they call them at the New York Times, right-wing Republicans, indicated that they did not intend to vote for Mr. Emmer on the floor, denying him the majority he would need to succeed in a full vote of the full House. Good. Good. Then let's hope that that is the end of Tom Emmer's short reign as a Republican nominee for Speaker. But it, it shows you... Does it not show you the difference between the Democrat Party, I'm sorry, the Republican Party and conservatives in the Republican Party? Does it not show you the difference? Because it really should. Uh, Trump just left the courtroom. A judge denied his request to halt his civil fraud trial over a small COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, Also, his, his former attorney, Jenna Ellis, flipped on him exactly like I told you she would. Remember I told you she would? And they announced all of the... Uh, nomination, all the people who were indicted in Georgia originally. I told you that Jenna Ellis would flip. I told you the Kraken, who I always said was a fraud, she'd flip. Jenna Ellis has flipped too on Trump as well. Uh, Newman Price says, don't you think Matt DeSantis should be docked about a week's pay for playing that song? It wasn't me. wasn't him. It was Henry, for the record. Oh, we'll play Wasn't Me by Shaggy next. That's a good one. <laughs> Thank you. This is getting worse. It's getting worse. Can't you just play some good rock today? Just good rock and roll. Just give us a little rock and roll. Yeah, it's a good day for it. We need it today. All right, all right. Is is that what we want? We want to get going today. Yeah, we need it? to get we need to get going. Fire it up today. All right. So, look, if we don't win tonight, we're out. Right? We're done. It's yes. over. Yes. It's over. So we. This is it. This is our chance. Game seven. Who the Who the heck thought we'd actually be here tonight? <laughs> huh? I, I I personally didn't. But hey, no one no one said it'd be easy, right? Santos said, if I hear you correctly, it's a maybe on Emma as speaker. (laughs) (laughs) Very good, my friend. Very good. Uh, This is Trump just a few moments ago outside the courtroom. Uh, we're winning this case, other than the fact that I don't have a jury. And I want a jury. We're entitled to a jury. Thank- uh, he is entitled to a jury. The reason why he doesn't have one is because the attorney general checked the form that this would not be a jury trial. And since it's a civil trial, uh, the United States Constitution guarantee of a jury trial is not there. However, the spirit of a jury trial is there, and he should be entitled to a jury trial, even though it's a civil fraud trial, because... It comes with basically destroying his business. His business is his livelihood, and it's his property. So even though it's civil, it's still the government going after him. And the, and the, and, and the repercussions of this, in my opinion, would be just as bad as if it were a criminal trial and he were sentenced to uh, time in jail. And the government, it's not a civil trial. In my mind, a civil trial, the way it should be is if, you know, I sue you. Two people suing each other civilly in court over something. When the government goes after you, even though it doesn't carry jail time the government's way of destroying people is massive and in this case it would be it could be the end of trump's entire business empire so tell me that that does not rise to the level of a jury trial in the spirit of what the constitution and the sixth amendment embodies which is that everybody has a right to face a jury of their peers 
it's not just if you're going to be incarcerated. The founders were very acutely aware of the fact that it's, it's, it's life, liberty, property, life, liberty, and property. Life, liberty, property. And this is his property that the state of New York is trying to take away from him. And just because they were, they were a little genius about it, you want me, well, you want me to take the guest now? Is he there? Or should you want me oh, to take- no, no, no. I'm saying go to break. break. Go, quick break. All right, we'll do a quick break. We'll come right back. We got a great guest coming up. We're going to talk about a bunch of different things and all the updates on this as well. And are we going to war? Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. All right, that's better. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 is the number. Phillies game tonight, obviously, and there's a lot going on, including the latest with Iran. And I have a lot of audio for you from the White House briefing, the Pentagon, Department of Defense, uh, every, everywhere. All right. But first, let me turn my uh, attention to our guest, Hans von Spakovsky. Spakovsky. Hans, am I saying that correctly? Hans von Spakovsky. How are you? I, I'm doing fine, and you you got it exactly right. All right, perfect. Good, I nailed it. And Hans is a senior legal fellow in the Heritage Foundation's Edwin Meese III Center for Legal and Judicial Studies. You have a great piece of the Daily Signal, which I want to get to in just a moment. But I I, I don't I, I'm not going to ask you to comment on the um, speakers race, so I would not ask you to do that. But however. I would like to get your thoughts on the Electoral College, because I know that you have been considered an expert in the Electoral College and the need for the Electoral College and why we should not have in this country a national popular vote. Would you would you care to elaborate on that for us? Sure. Uh, And I'll do it very simply. Uh, The very same reasons that the framers of the Constitution thought it was a good idea uh, over 200 years ago is still a good idea today, because what they said was, look, If we use a national popular vote system to elect a president, then what will candidates do? They'll just go to the big urban areas, the big cities, and they will ignore the rest of the country. And that is as true today as it was then. In fact, it's probably more true today. Uh, If we had a popular vote system, uh, candidates would ignore probably the entire middle of the country, and they would go to the big cities on the east and west coast. And, yeah, uh, you still have a system where, um, you know, we have less populated areas of the country, but with the electoral college vote system, no matter how small the state is, they've still got a greater say in the system. And I think that's that's a very good reason to, to keep the system we have. You're going to get people who have to appeal to folks all over the country to win. And in addition to that, it seems like from my perspective, and I'm not I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a legal expert like you are, but I have worked in politics my whole life. It also seems as if candidates would start trying to appeal based on what the majority wants. And and the framers were also acutely aware that the majority often gets it wrong. And so if you just have a national popular vote, you would have consultants sitting around the table and saying all the time, listen, stop fighting for natural gas. Stop fighting for energy independence. This is not popular. You got to you got to fight for climate change. They want climate change. And you would have candidates now trying to appeal to issues on those issues because they have to win the majority, not not electoral votes. So states that, for example, like Pennsylvania, where I'm broadcasting from, where natural gas is a big issue, coal is a big issue, where states that have oil, where those, where that's a big issue, those issues would be cast aside because the majority uh, fears climate change, and so you'd have you'd have candidates who are trying to appeal to that in order to win. 
Oh, oh yeah, no, you pegged it exactly. James Madison called it the tyranny of the majority. And we've got all kinds of provisions in the Constitution to prevent that. I mean, just one more example is look, look at Congress. Yeah, the House of Representatives, each state, the number of folks they have in the House depends on their population. And the bigger their population, the more folks they have. But the Senate, each state only gets two senators, no matter how big, no matter how small. The whole point of that is to act as a check on and to prevent the tyranny of the majority, which is exactly what you were just describing. You know, and on that point, I don't know how you feel about it, but I think the 17th Amendment to the Constitution was one of the worst amendments to the Constitution. There were a couple in a row that were pretty bad, 16, 17, the one that banned booze. Uh, but that one allowing the direct vote for U.S. senators, I think, was also a mistake because these people now go and they go to the Senate and they grandstand and they try to run for president. And they're not they're not really concerned with what the needs of their particular individual state are anymore, it seems to me. Oh, no, I, I think you're exactly right about about that, too. It, it took away the the limit, the check on the power of the federal government that state governments had when they were able to choose who their U.S. senators were. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. It's great to have you here. Hans von Spakovsky. And this piece you wrote at thedailysignal.com, and I, I check the Daily Signal all the time. They, they do great work over there. Uh, and you ask a question, why is Google protecting Harvard defenders of Hamas terrorism? So why, why is Google doing that? Well, I think that kind of reveals uh, a lot about the people that are running uh, Google. And what I'm talking about is that um, uh, one of my colleagues and someone I often write with, J. Christian Adams, wrote a a piece that he published at uh, PJ Media. And all he did was he took a look at that letter, that letter that all these Harvard University uh, organizations signed on to supporting the terrorist attack um, uh, on Israel by Hamas. And he then took a look at the individual organizations. It turned out four of them are organizations at the law school. So he simply published the names of the officers of those four organizations and their biographies. All of this is public information. It's all on the Harvard Law um, uh, webpage. And what does Google do? They notify PJ Media's editors that this article, in which he's simply disclosing public information, was dangerous. And because of that, um, they were demonetizing the article. For folks who've never heard that term, what it means is, is that all of the revenue that is generated by ads from people looking and reading that article Google cuts it off and won't send it to PJ Media. Well, heck, that's the kind of money that that, uh, websites use to keep running. So they're doing everything they can to really to prevent people from reading this article. Yeah. And that, you know, when that and when when that happens, it's it's very deliberate and very, very sneaky by big tech. They, They do it that way. Uh, and and I'm I have Jay Christian Adams has been on the show a few times before, and I think he's terrific. And PJ Media is a great site as well. And he's asking a lot of questions, and he's he's, he's pointing out 
for example, a, a line from his article. We know of, of Che Guevara's revolutionary justice tribunals. History leaves no room for equivocation regarding Joseph Stalin's gulags, where millions turned into, as Solzhenitsyn framed it, a form of human sewage passing through. We know of Mao Zedong's cultural march in the name of political correctness that led to bodies by the millions dead from starvation and the Red Guard's cleansing of divergent opinions on campus. We know that the left is capable of because we know the body count of the 20th century. And then he equates that with what's happening to the Jews today uh, who are just trying to simply be safe. And Google doesn't like that because I feel I think a lot of people who probably work at Google, Hans, they, they probably are cheering on what's happening in the Middle East right now because they they don't believe that uh, that Israel uh, should should exist. Yeah, and boy, what does that say about them? Yeah, as you know, uh, Israel has released all this raw footage taken from. If you, I couldn't believe this, these Hamas terrorists were wearing body cams to show them killing, murdering civilians in their homes and elsewhere, and the Israelis captured this body cam footage. I don't understand how anybody could watch that kind of, of sheer brutality and go out and protest in favor of a terrorist group by Hamas. By the way, we should remind people, uh, all these students protesting in favor of Hamas, particularly these law students at Harvard, Hamas is a designated terrorist organization by the U.S. State Department. So they're out supporting a terrorist organization. I'm sure you saw um, once the names of a number of these officers of these organizations became uh, were publicized, uh, they lost their jobs. They'd been given job offers by some big New York firms. Those firms withdrew the offers. And these students are upset about that. Hey, the law firms did exactly the right thing. I wouldn't want somebody working at my law firm who supports a terrorist group. I wouldn't. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. It's 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 bad for business. And quite frankly, I I, I don't I don't think I'd want that person being on my firm's letterhead. I I I think that that's pretty obvious. Well, I think so too. But now they're they're saying. <laughs> woe is me, I shouldn't be punished. Well, no, you should be punished. You should take the consequences when you engage in behavior like that. Let me ask you about something else. You, you wrote recently about what's going on at the Naval Academy, the United States Naval Academy, uh, and also right. the uh, U.S. Military Academy at West Point, where there's lawsuits now over how the, the government is still using race in admissions. When the Supreme Court ruled in Students for Fair Admission v. Harvard there was a, I, I guess they granted an exemption for the military academies here. And, and so now you've got students who are suing and saying that, that, that these schools are using race in admissions. Is, do I have that correct? Uh, the Supreme Court did not issue an exemption for the military academies. They just simply said that, that the particular case they had in front of them, remember, it was Harvard, which is a private college, it was UNC, University of North Carolina, which was a state school. There was no federal government school in front of them. So all they said in that opinion was that our opinion at the moment is not concerned with the military academies. People have claimed that granted an exemption. No, there have been prior cases that have said that the military is not exempt from the U.S. Constitution. So I actually think... Um, these cases against West Point and Naval Academy, 
they're going to win. Good. Because bo- both of those institutions, they actually use racial quotas. They don't just consider race as a positive factor. They have actual quotas of the number of individuals, for example, who are African-American who have to be part of their entering cadet class. Yeah, no, that we don't we don't do quotas. We're not supposed to be doing quotas here. I thought we decided a long time ago that was racist. So uh, good. I'm glad you clarified that, because I think a lot of people misunderstood that and said, oh, well, you know, the the U.S. military academies were carved out. I just think the court in in, in doing its job said we just have to deal with what's in front of us here. And right. I, I think that was that's the way this court operates, not because it's the Roberts court, but that's not because of John Roberts. It's because of the other people on the bench like Gorsuch and Alito and, and, and others. But I, they just said we have to deal with what's in front of us here. That's our job. And that rightly so. So the issue then bef- of, of race based admissions, the United States military academies will come before the court. And then I think I think you're right, Hans. I think that they're going to turn around and say that the same thing applies here. How can you say it's wrong at Harvard, but it's OK at West Point? Yeah, I, I don't think you can do that. So that's why I think this is really going to be an easy. I mean, it may take a while, but it's going to be an easy win. And by the way, it the the two lawsuits are filed by exactly the same group that was successful in filing the cases against Harvard and UNC students for fair admissions. Good, good, excellent, good for them. Hey, I appreciate your time today. I really do. This was great. I'd love to have you back on the show. Your uh, your background is is uh, is is amazing. It really is, and you are a uh, a great legal mind. I just want to mention too. In addition to being the a senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation, you're also a former commissioner on the Federal Election Commission, former counsel to the Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights at the U.S. Department of Justice, and a member of the board of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. And I. I will tell you that the Public Interest Legal Foundation, in my opinion, they are doing some of the greatest work in this country right now, fighting for liberty. And I think they are outstanding. Well, I appreciate hearing that. And I'm happy to talk to you anytime on the radio. Hans von Spakovsky, and I got it right again. Thank you, my friend. Have a great day. You too. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Listen up, I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.